This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Elkshape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host, Welcome to season five. Here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Welcome to the Oak Shea Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man. What's up, everybody? Hope you're having a lovely week. Let's get Monday started off proper. We're sitting down with Tyler. Tyler is a guide from Wyoming. And he's got some absolutely crazy intense stories with guiding clients and running into grizzly bears, which is very common, especially in Wyoming and Montana. We've had other people on before, but this is unreal stuff. We're talking G-Bears, we're talking handguns, bear spray, and federal agents. It's going to be an awesome podcast. I hope you enjoy. Guys, we're doing a Zoom call. We're sitting down with Tyler. And Tyler is out of Wyoming. Tyler, what's your last name? Barnard. Yeah, and you're you're like a pretty bad a fly under the radar, kind of blue collar style, average elk, you know, average style elk hunting. And you're my people, man. I love getting guys like you on. Thank you for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Oh, for sure. Where are you based out of? Well, I'm actually from Idaho. Um uh, I do a lot of elk hunting and guiding in Wyoming, uh, just just uh, about 45 minutes from Jackson Hole. We guide in the wilderness area over there, and we do pretty good. 
Nice. Can you guide me if I draw a general? If you if you uh if you draw a general, you're more than welcome down. Yeah. So, uh, you where in Idaho do you live? Uh, Idaho Falls. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I like that side of the state. To be honest with you, as far as just being central to get into cool places, you know, you're not far from Montana, Wyoming. Pretty decent elk area over there. That's cool. How long have you been elk hunting? Oh shoot, I've been, I've uh, my first time, my first time elk hunting. I was probably 12 years old. Uh, it was a muzzleloader hunt, uh, late oh, mid November, I guess. Uh, it was successful. Shot my first elk with muzzleloader, and mm-hmm. uh, got yeah, hooked. Since then, yep, got got hooked. Since then, I've been I've been doing hunting every year. Um, the last the last five years, you know, I've I've uh, really haven't had a chance to hunt for myself. Um, moving back and forth from Alaska and uh, coming down for for September and October every year to guide. So uh, I've took a took quite a break from hunting for myself. So in Alaska, I was, you know, I was just up there to fish mainly. Um, I'm super big into fly fishing and stuff too. Wanted to get up there and kind of experience the Alaska outdoors. And uh, did we went on a a few doll sheep hunts and caribou hunts. Um, shot a couple black bears, and then uh, decided it was time to come back into into Idaho and get some elk hunting done. So you became a resident in Alaska. Yes, correct. Okay, and so how long were you there? I was there for three years. I moved up in 2018, moved back down here last November. Okay, where did you end up living-ish in Alaska? I was in Big Lake area, about 45 minutes north of Anchorage. And then how long did it take you to get residency? A year to hunt, six months just to you know, go through your general residency stuff. But You bastards. Dang it. Okay, so a full year. And then you went, I mean, obviously for go, for folks listening that don't know, you can't hunt most of the cool stuff in Alaska without a guide. Um, and so it is what it is, but you, you probably killed your sheep self-guided, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Did you go to the Brooks range? Well, we were actually, we were actually in, uh, right around, right around Anchorage. We were actually, we were not very far from Anchorage at all, just up by the, the glacier there. Yeah. Don't be too specific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Did you hunt brown bear as well? No, no, I didn't get a chance to hunt brown bear. Um, I actually had a plant, a hunt plan for, for last May, but stuff ended up happening here at home and I couldn't, couldn't make it. But yeah, I plan on going back up there eventually just, um, down here for, you know, for a little bit, but hopefully we can get back on that grizzly bear plan and get it done. That's my bucket list hunt. I don't, I mean, a 70 or a 60 even inch moose sounds attractive. There's still some DIY opportunities. Um, interior grizz, sure. Doll sheep, no thank you. I don't want any sheep bug whatsoever. I want to, I want to have money in my checking account, but, uh, you talk about Alaska brown bear, dude. You have my you have my interest. Uh, that's definitely on my bucket list. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, my my goal when I was up there was to shoot one with a bow. Um, you know, shot a black bear with my bow, and uh, that that was pretty cool. We went out to we went out uh, not far from Anchorage. We took the ocean boat and went and traveled some of those some of those uh, sounds out there and did really good. Um, some of those islands are just full of bears. It's, it's crazy. 
yeah, it gets pretty wild up there. We're going this year uh, in May out of Homer. So we're going to go across the bay uh, and do a lot of fishing and a little bit of bear hunting. The bear hunting is pretty good there. So we're actually giving away this hunt to off YouTube. So some lucky subscriber and their best friend are going with us and hunting full. It's a huge giveaway. I'm so excited to get back to Alaska. It's been, I haven't been to Alaska since maybe, man, I'm going to age myself here. Um, maybe 2008, uh, Prince of Wales, back when you could just get the tag as a non-resident. Um, and then before that, I went and hunted caribou two different times. And then I've also filmed hunts in Alaska out of Sitka. So I've been to Alaska quite a few times, but it's special, man. Like it's the last frontier for real. So how was your learning curve for you? Up in Alaska? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I had some pretty good mentors. Uh, you know, my, my first winter up there, um, I met some, I met some people that ran trap lines. It was about an 80 mile trap line, which is pretty long Dang. for up there when you only have, you know, four or five hours of light. Um, we'd get up there and, and, uh, we'd trap a lot of Fox. My first year there, we trapped about 60 Fox. Um, I think we got six Wolverine, probably seven or eight wolves. And, uh, yeah, it was a really, really, really cool. And, you know, brought, uh, brought in a lot of interest for me and I wanted to get into that a little bit more. So the, the following winter, um, I kind of tagged along with them and, and, uh, talked about, you know, the Wyoming elk hunting and, and then Alaska elk hunting, and they were going to kind of show me the ropes and their spots for, for a trip down to Wyoming. So that was a pretty good deal. Um, learned a lot from them for sure. Didn't really have too much of a learning curve. That's cool. Do you trap right now for wolves in Idaho? No, no, no. I, I consider it, you know, it just takes a lot of time, a lot of money. And, uh, you know, that's something that I'm limited on. So, yeah, I want to give a huge plug to foundation for wildlife management. Um, these guys, you can be a member and you don't have to live in Idaho. I don't live in Idaho, but I'm a member. And I would say for 30, 40 bucks a year, if you end up with a, a wolf tag in your pocket and you go to Idaho and kill a wolf, either happenstance or trap, they'll reimburse you up to a thousand dollars. So, um, foundation for wildlife management, they're awesome. They can't make a bounty on a wolf, but they can reimburse you for your expenses, like your gas, your ammo, your, your backpack, whatever you want to list, it'll make it about seven fifty to a thousand bucks. And it's a great organization. Do you, th where's the closest wolf pack to you? Like when you're like, you're in Idaho falls, where's the highest density of wolves from you? Is it more an Island park? Is it, um, more like Selway? Where, where's the highest wolf density from you? I would, I would probably say Island park. Um, I mean, we've got wolves all over out here. We've seen them in our backyard pretty much. And he smoked a wolf out there off his back porch the other day. It was, it's crazy how close they're coming to town. I mean, they're just, there's so many wolves around here. They're definitely splitting up a lot and becoming a major problem. I think, yeah. I mean, a lot of the Idaho elk seriously migrate out of like Island Park, um, the Lemhi, the Pioneers, the Beaver, uh, the Sawtooth, and they'll come down south by y'all and they'll bring some wolves with them. So I think that's um, that could be a potential new normal. I'm glad to hear that you guys are doing some management there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we used to see... He's not far from the Camas 
the Camas wintering range. And uh, we used to drive past that and see, you know, it would be nothing to see a thousand head of elk on that wintering range. And, uh, you know, now anymore, you can, you can drive by there five times a week and not, you know, not see an elk. It's, it's crazy how much, I don't know if it's due to a lot of these mild winters we've had the last couple of years. Um, I'm sure some of it is, is that, but also a lot of it is the wolves too. They've def- um, they actually have a, they actually have a guy that he paraglides out here and he hunts on paragliders. He just finds the packs and shoots them out of the fields. It's so that's, he's a, he's definitely put a dent in so far. So far he's killed 56 wolves this year um, in Southeast Idaho. He doesn't just hunt the Camas area, but he's obviously working for the state. Yes, for sure. Obviously. Yeah. So don't freak out listeners. He's not like some poacher. This is contract killing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's not allowed to harvest them or anything. He just, uh, gives a GPS coordinates to fishing game and they go out and they pick them up and do their studies and all that type of stuff. It's, it's actually, uh, it's actually beneficial in quite a few ways, you know, helps the elk herds and then helps them figure out like the genetics and where these wolves are actually coming from and migrating from. Yeah. It's incredible. The GPS caller data on wolves, how, how they can cover States, not mountain ranges, States. Um, but I didn't bring you on here to talk about wolves, although I certainly could. I love talking about them. But um, who do you work for in Wyoming? I work for uh, an outfit called Two Ocean Pass Outfitters. Um, we we are we are out of uh, Moran, Wyoming. We hunt a lot of that area, uh, sixty and seventy. I'll say because you have to be guided yeah. or residents get there, so it's not that big of a deal, but. But, uh, I got a hot spot in 70. Don't say, yeah. But yeah, you got to have a guide, resident guide or a guide guide. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's some great country. I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, the elk is good. There's a lot of elk, but there's a lot of grizzlies. We fight grizzlies and wolves both a lot. Um, in fact, we had a pretty bad grizzly encounter this, this last fall. Um, after we'd killed an elk, we had a grizzly on the elk before we were on there and and uh, ended up charging us we had to shoot it put it down and obviously we got the fed the feds and stuff involved and that was uh that was september 27th or 28th that we had to shoot that grizzly so the the hunting season for elk had only been open for you know seven or eight days and you know for rifle and uh when the investigators got there, they said that there were seven other bears already shot and killed in self-defense. And then it was crazy. I mean, the, the very next day after the investigation, everything, we were up chasing some elk. We were actually, we actually had some elk bedded down. We were waiting for them to start moving and talking again. And, uh, you know, it was perfect, perfect setup. But there was a, there was a helicopter that flew probably 40 feet over our head. And uh, we just figured it was gr- another grizzly issue. Or, you know, there's not usually you hear about stuff. You know, all the all the outfitters up there are pretty tight. We all have Garmin info and stuff. We know how to get a hold of each other. We didn't hear anything, and so we knew it wasn't very good. And uh, and one of the biologists came back to our camp, and he was like, "Yeah, he's like, you guys got to be careful over here because uh, there was a guy attacked and put in the hospital just yesterday," and so. Yeah, we definitely have a lot of bear issues down there, but that's, that's, you know, if anybody's interested in hunting Wyoming, that's something that uh, 
really need to look into looking, you know, handgun calibers and uh, not just your caliber, but your ammo. Know what you're shooting and definitely do your research on your bullets. Baku e-bikes. These guys provide awesome e-bikes for the mountains. I use them out west, specifically logging roads. They have more torque than any other e-bike competitor. They're built for hunters by hunters. They're an awesome brand to work with out of Salt Lake City. Check them out at Baku.com. BlackOvis.com is where I buy all my hunting gear. I have a discount code that I use myself. It is elk shape. It takes 10% off. Their shipping is fast and free. Their selection is vast and deep. Go to blackovis.com. Check out their full lineup of clothing, footwear, optics, archery, arrows, camping, and all the brands. Spy Point Trail Cameras, the world's number one cellular trail camera brand. Extremely affordable. My favorite is the Link Micro LTE, the smallest best value camera dependable reliable go to spypoint.com and check out all their options when it comes to trail cameras and accessories kafaru international my good homeboy aaron snyder and frank the tank these guys are american made 100 i typically use the hoodlum the 22 mag or the striker xl in the backcountry the frame is second to none Head over to Kufaru International. Be sure to check out their packs, their frames, tents, shelters, sleeping systems, stoves, lots of accessories, as well as closeouts. You won't be disappointed. Matthews Archery. Introducing the all-new V3X. You have a 29 and 33 option. These guys are out of Sparta, Wisconsin. Head over to MatthewsInc.com. Click the bow builder and start customizing your next awesome bow hunting rig. Crispy USA. Head over to crispyus.com, peruse the vast selection of awesome boots from mountaineering, backpacking, and of course, my favorite, the Colorado GTX for elk hunting. There are also some good options for everyday wear, like my daily driver, the Ativa Mid GTX. And then if you're into stocking like I am, look no further than the Laponia GTX. Check out the core boot lineup. Everything starts from the ground up on your next adventure. Choose wisely. Be sure to check out crispyus.com. Okay, so this is so fast. This is fascinating. Seven bear attack investigations and a dude got mauled, which I remember reading about. So when an investigator shows up, obviously, like, take me through the silly questions I have. Like, how the hell do you get a hold of the feds to let them know, hey, we killed a bear, self-defense, and we um, were coming forward with that information. How do you get that information out via inReach? Next is... Do they land in a helicopter, hop out, and then what kind of questions do they ask? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so actually, it was kind of a it's kind of a funny, unexpected situation. I mean, after the bear thing, you know, we we couldn't get a hold of the outfitter. He was on, you know, he had another client with him. He was guiding, and uh, we couldn't reach him on the Garmin. So we we borrowed a satellite phone. One of the hunters had a satellite phone, so we could call home, and we, we borrowed that and called the ranch. And uh, and the owner of the ranch actually contacted the feds. And about 30 minutes after we talked to them, there was two fishing game officers that came in to camp and like horseback. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we, so yeah, horseback. We're we're about 20. Our camp is about 26 miles in the backcountry. And uh, so these two fishing game officers come in, and I was like, I was like. Uh, I said, man, I'm sure glad to see you guys. And he's like, oh, yeah, why is that? How's your day going? I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I, I was like, are you not here for the grizzly bear? 
And he's like, no. He's like, uh, there's been no report of a grizzly bear accident. He's like, what uh, What are you talking about? I was like, well, I was like, uh, apparently the ranch, the owner of the ranch that I work for contacted the feds and, you know, we, we had to shoot a grizzly bear this morning. And they're like, oh, well, uh, no, we're definitely not here on that, but I guess, I be- guess it's a case we're going to have to take. And so we, you know, they, they asked a bunch of questions. They asked, they asked, uh, like what time it happened and stuff. Obviously they knew the date. Um, they, they asked questions to literally everybody in camp, not, I mean, oh, yeah. the cook, the cook, the camp jacks, like everybody. And, uh, we, yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty, pretty intense for sure. To say the least, they, uh, they asked us the same questions over and over and over again to make sure that everybody's stories lined up and your own story, you know, our own stories lined up. And obviously me and, uh, the two hunters that, we, that was with me, it was a father and son. They, uh, you know, like there was, there was nothing to hide, nothing to, you know, I mean, it was pretty straightforward. So that was easy and you know after all that was said and done then we we went down i took him back to the to the bear site and um the fishing game actually before we had to do that they had to get a hold of the feds and make sure that uh it was okay that they could do the investigation because it is a, a federal thing so they got permission to do the investigation and they didn't fly in a helicopter or anything um i'm sure that if that if the fishing game the wyoming state fishing game didn't come up that they probably would have but uh yeah we went back to the bear site um there was probably there was probably 10 of us eight eight or ten of us that went back just to make sure there were no other bears on that bear and you know coming from alaska i thought it was a small bear you know like we're used to seeing 10 foot bears up there and this bear was probably seven foot ish you know 500 pounds 550 pounds so around here i guess it's a big bear you know but um we went back they did the whole investigation um i was shooting at 10 millimeter with with uh, buffalo boar mono metal grounds and the the kid hunter that was with me he was shooting a 45 with plus p hollow points one of those uh fnx tacticals so Obviously, the hollow point, the plus P hollow points, uh, proved to me that uh, there wasn't not a good round for a bear. You know, you'd think that, you know, you'd think that uh, even a 45 at you know 15 yards would do something to a bear. It doesn't, not at all. Uh, the very first shot, he hit the bear right in right in the forehead, and there's just nothing but a nothing but a poof of dust that came off from that bear. You could just see the fury in his eyes after that. And then uh, there was there was he fired he fired about fifteen times. So did he have fifteen round magazine? Yes. Yep. So yep. And he's shooting a forty five. Yeah. Yep. And, and he you was got very, the ten very, millimeter. Yeah. Yeah. And they, the bear was actually charging him. The bear right. ran probably five feet from me. And so, like as as my client was shooting the bear. I was, you know, I was trying to get intervene between the bear and the client. Obviously, the bear is way faster than me, but uh, thankfully, that 45 did slow him down a little bit, and I was able to get get ahead of the bear. And uh, when the when the investigators were down there, you know, we had to skin the bear and uh, count bullet holes. Well, after after 16 bullet holes, the uh, 
the biologist was like, you know what, that's enough. You know, we, all that matters to us is the bullet that killed it. And so for my 10 millimeter, I had five lethal shots and uh, the bear, you know, it died about five feet from me. And yeah, it was a, it was a pre- definitely a pretty sketchy deal. Um, yeah, so if you're gonna hunt Wyoming, I, I 100% suggest hunting Wyoming, but uh, definitely be prepared for, for anything when it comes to the Grizzlies. I, yeah, man, I'm, I'm so, this is the coolest stuff ever. Like, not that, you know, a bear had to die, but, you know, in my opinion, I think it's pretty obvious that like, there needs to be a hunting season on these guys. Like we need a management, like they need some fear of man when you haven't hunted them forever and they've trained themselves the sound of the dinner bell. Uh, and I'm just going to have you prove my point. So how far was the shot that your client made on the elk? So the shot that my client made on the elk was about 15 yards, <laughs> but, uh, the elk took off, um, and we, we gave it about 15 minutes and we just walked over to where he was initially hit. And that's not very much time. That's very little. Yeah. Yeah. So we, so we walked over there and, uh, you know, we saw really, really good blood. So we, we started following the trail and, you know, I mean, it was, it was crazy blood. Like there was like, it was, you know, a four foot wide trail of blood just out both sides. Like it was, it was a dead elk for sure. And, um, uh, it was, it was really weird because we had that blood and all of a sudden it just stopped. Like we walked probably hundred yards, 150 yards and it was just done, just stopped. And so at that point we were following tracks and we'd see like a speck of blood here and there. And so that, that was, that was in the evening. It was probably, it was probably 30 minutes or so before dark. Black Rifle Coffee Company, established in 2014. Veteran-owned, proudly American. They support two-way, they support hunting, and coffee is life if you're just like me. Head over to BlackRifleCoffee.com, click the coffee club, enter the discount code ELKSHAPE, save 15%, and have fresh new flavors of coffee delivered to your doorstep every month. Wilderness Athlete. I met the founder in 2006. I've been in love with this company ever since. They make a tremendous amount of products, not only for in the field, but during the off season when you're training and they got you covered when it comes to supplementing your nutritional intake. Look no further than the Hydrate Recover, whether you want to get tubs or the packets, energy and focus, meal replacements, daily strength protein, brute force pre-workouts, caffeine free and with stimulant, altitude advantage, joint advantage, omega-3 fish oil, and a bunch more head over to wildernessathlete.com and if you've never bought anything from them before make sure you enter the discount code elkshape30 to save 30 percent off your first purchase vortex optics proud partner since 2010 everything from rifle scopes binoculars range finders vortex wear and backed with their vip warranty unlimited unconditional you break it they'll fix it veteran owned proudly american head over to vortexoptics.com check out their vortex wear fit for everywhere use the discount code elk shape take 20 percent off your scouting everyday wear clothing and thank you vortex for supporting elk shape for over 10 years on x hunt the number one hunting gp app you should join the millions of hunters who trust onyx including myself 
myself to find more honey holes, discover new access, and to be confident and know where you stand. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE to save 20% off an elite membership. Get all 50 states, be able to scout from a desktop and your phone. Everything syncs. You can go to 3D mode. Onyx Hunt is the cornerstone to all of my public land hunting success. Check it out at onxmaps.com. Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. Buck Knives has a wide variety of blade sharpness, lengths, finish, materials, whether they're serrated, carry systems, handle material, engravable, so many different accessories. Buck Knives has been in the game since 1902. They have a forever warranty and they proudly support Elk Shape. We ask that you check out BuckKnives.com and proudly support American-made knives that help you break down your animal in the backcountry. NUMA Outdoors, use the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off your clothing. NUMA has base layers, headwear, jackets, mid-layers, outer pants, shirts, and vests. Check out the Pursuit Pant, the Renegade, Quarter Zip, Pullover, the Palisade, Puffy, the Alpha Vertex Jacket, and the sleek lineup of base layers, Base Haven, Quarter Zip, Pullover, as well as Base Haven Pants. But uh, we continue to offer, continue to track this elk. We tracked him for for quite a while until probably 8 30 at night and uh decided to start again in the morning so when we when we finally got onto the elk you know we were super cautious you know we were going to try to fill another tag and uh we have packers in camp that that will pack out for us so all i wanted to do was get eyes on and then move on you know so we walked in there without rifles just wanted to mark it on the garmin and uh we were talking, you know, they always tell you to talk and be loud and, and make your presence known. Well, that's exactly what we were doing. And it was like a, it was like a rolling hill, you know, like the, like the ones you can never see the top of, it looks like you're to the top and it just keep, continues to go up. And, and we could only see like maybe 20 yards and I'm like switch back and back and forth looking for, looking for blood or, or the elk. And, uh, we never separated more than probably 15 yards. Yep. And. And yeah, I mean, it was the elk sat overnight. So, you know, that's like, I wasn't super surprised that there was a grizzly on it. I mean, right. I, 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 you know, I didn't, I didn't have my doubts that there was going to be. And so, uh, so yeah, like I said, we just went in there. We're, you know, wary of the bears, but um, we have definitely, we've definitely killed elk you know, six, 700 yards away. And by the time we go back to the horses and come up on the elk, you know, there's like, there was one year, my very first year there, actually, we had two, we had two elk dead and, uh, we went and quartered one, went and quartered the other, hung the other one up in the tree. And then by that time the Packers had got, you know, got to us, they met up with us. We loaded, we loaded, uh, a, a, a portion of the second elk. And then we were going to the first elk and that first elk, it only been probably an hour. The first elk was um, like, there was already a quarter missing. All the back straps and tenderloins were dug up and gone. Like it was, uh, it was, it was pretty wild. It was pretty wild. How fast that, you know, like you said, that dinner, that gunshot is just a dinner bell. and They know they're smart. Yeah, man. I think that's like, I don't think people like, Hey, like, my buddy Mark Livesey has been saying this at every elk shape camp, and I don't want to make anyone mad. 
And if I do make you mad, I don't really want to hear about that I made you mad. You know what I mean? Like I don't want it. I don't want an email or whatever. So just don't listen to my podcast, and I'll never know. But he said at the last couple podcasts because the dude hunts in grizzly country like crazy, and he brings bear food with him. He brings llamas, a lot of them. And I always joke with him like, man, you just bring in bear food when you bring the llamas. But he hunts a lot of elk in bear country. And he tells all these guys that come to my camps, he's like, do you want to tell, like, do you want to die in the mountains elk hunting um, against a grizzly bear? Or do you want to like, you know, die in the hospital bed as an old man or maybe COVID got you? And the reason why he says that is because he got COVID really bad and was in the hospital and was like one second away from being intubated and, and ventilator and, and, you know, it was crazy because it was right before our first camp of the year. And I mean, I thought, I thought we we're going to lose Mark, but, um, you can't be afraid. You can respect bears, but you can't let like the, the fear get in the way of hunting. And, um, you gotta be smart. So maybe, maybe this podcast is going to like transition into a little bit of like you and me encouraging people to don't be deterred. Here are some simple ideas um, let's start with gun spray, not bear spray and bear spray does work, but I like both. Were you using like a Glock 20? What were you using for your 10 mm? Yeah. So I was, I was using a Glock 20. Okay. You know, you, yeah. And you mentioned bear spray definitely be, you know, if you're going to carry bear spray, definitely have a handgun on you. Um, there's a, you know, this bear that this bear that, uh, came after us, we bear sprayed it, ran right through the cloud and, you know, if, if we didn't, if we only relied on bear spray, if all three of us were standing there with bear spray, then it would have been bad. So my suggestion, if you're going to be hunting in, hunting in grizzly country, and if hopefully you have somebody with you, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a solo hunter personally. I love to solo hunt. Um, Same. In my opinion is not the place to do that. Like there's, you know, at least if, if you're going to solo hunt, don't be, you know, don't be very far from each other make sure that, uh, you know, both of you guys know where you're at and what's going on. Um, but if, if you're group hunting, you know, like, like we were, I was, you know, like I said, I was guiding those two clients. Um, the one, the, the dad had the bear spray, the, the kid had his 45 and I obviously had my 10 millimeter and it, uh, it couldn't have, it couldn't have been, I mean, it could have been better. The bear couldn't have, you know, like I wish the bear didn't charge us. But uh, at the same time, like, I'm glad that we're prepared for it. And, you know, it was something that we talked about time and time again is before we talked about it before we even left the ranch to the back country, um, went over the bear scenario. And we're like, all right, well, who's going to do what? Like, are you going to are you going to get your bear spray? You know, and then you get your gun or vice versa. Or are we all going to pull our guns? You know, which personally with with as difficult as it is to. Uh, deal with all the all the court stuff with with bears you know the federal situation it's it's just best it's just simply better to have bear spray you know in the bear's lungs you want bear spray in the bear's lungs before you shoot and uh the fishing game officer that i was dealing with he said that when people get in trouble from killing grizzly bears it's because you know they go straight they go straight for the firepower they don't you know, they don't, they don't attempt anything else. And 
you know, I, I just I actually heard on your, one of your other podcasts from a while back. I think it was like uh, 59 or 60. Um, you know, you guys were talking about uh, if you kill a bear, you, you know, it's like it's like committing murder. And that that's that's very, very it is very similar. I mean, the, the whole the whole interrogation investigation stuff, it's pretty wild. Um, it's a lot worse off, you know, for the for the people that just go straight to firepower. Um, you guys have mentioned that uh, if you kill a bear, you better be better be bitten or you know chewed up somehow, some way. And uh, and that that uh, yeah, if, if it's not if it's not bear spray, it's definitely that. And obviously, bear spray is is the better thing to have. So, was that the podcast with Bob Lagasa? Oh shoot! And they got attacked. Oh no no it was I think it was probably before that. Let me Okay. I actually probably still have it up here. No, I don't. Yep. But cuz Bob's a good friend of mine and Bob got Bob was um Bob got ripped up pretty good by a bear. Um bear spray did save him. His partner sprayed him and the bear and he got some spray, but it was a sow and cubs. It wasn't over a bear, uh, an elk carcass. They were just stalking a herd of elk and so were these grizzlies and it was in montana out of livingston and um yeah man he got beat up pretty good he had to go to the hospital and have some surgeries and um yeah i mean it's there's some concerns but i i want to paint a positive picture about hunting where grizzlies are a lot of elk hunters won't won't hike out in the dark or hunt hike in the mornings in the dark they want daylight and i don't i mean i can understand a little bit like you want to be able to see but it's not like you know, you're, you're increasing your odds of a bear encounter, um, by going in the dark. I think it's actually kind of 50, 50 day or night. If you cross a bear and you know, you get between a sow and her cub day or night, you're, you're in trouble, man. Or, you know, a food source. I mean, they're going to protect their young. They're going to protect their food source, especially in the fall when, you know, the clock is ticking. But uh, if you are hunting G-Bear country and, and you can get the courage, um, you know, there's some places that will have less pressure um, at really opportune times to kill an elk because people are just kind of afraid or whatever. So what other things do you guys do at your camps when it regards to scent and, and stuff like that, bear fences, whatever, stock? Um, what should people do to just try to decrease their odds of attracting a G-Bear to where they're trying to get some rest? Yeah, so... So a lot of like, especially if you're in a wilderness area, there's the majority of uh, the camp spots actually have bear boxes to put your food and stuff in. Um, obviously, definitely encourage that and uh, hang your packs. Just your, you know, not pretty much pretty much the same stuff you would do in, other, in any other bear country. Like you know, grizzly bear, black bear, they're both gonna want your food the same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we we actually have. Uh, we actually have tripods up at our at our a lot of the camps in the wilderness area, which is super super handy to have. You know, you you can just throw your packs up there, take your ladder back down, and and uh, Forest Service does a really good job at making areas you know to keep your to keep your stuff safe. Um, they're always usually about a hundred yards from your from the camp spot, and uh, yeah, the bear boxes. The bear boxes are, are right in camp, so I definitely wouldn't suggest, you know, putting putting your food right next to where you sleep. That's mainly for, you know, like maybe uh, your cleaned cooking stove. You know, um, you don't want to put a dirty bacon grease covered 
Coleman in the in the bear box. But uh, yeah, definitely just the biggest thing I guess is keeping your camp clean and and you know keeping it keeping it in the back of your mind that there is a possibility that a bear, you know, black or brown, could be coming into your camp and just just uh, you know. Uh, the bathroom, you know, have like a designated bathroom area away from camp. Um, a lot of times, you know, like where, where we set up our bathroom for our clients and stuff, it's about a hundred yards into the meadow and it, you know, where, where you can see you want to, and that, that's a, that's another thing that we do all the time. Like we keep our food in a place that we can see it. So, so that way, you know, when we get up in the morning to go get breakfast at three 30 in the morning, you know, we're pulling down coolers and stuff and getting ready to prep meals for the hunters we don't want to be walking in blind to where all of our food is. So that's another thing I strongly suggest. Uh, if you're going to hang it in a tree, hang it where you can see it from, from where you sleep. And uh, that, you know, I feel like that uh, a lot of the time people, people uh, don't think about that. And I, I feel like it's definitely, you know, good to get to be able to see what you're doing. So you're not, you know, you, like you said, uh, bears will protect the food source. It's true. So if you're if you're going to be walking up onto your food, then uh, definitely want to be able to know what's going on there. And then, oh, let's see. Um, as far as game goes, if you're going to be in the backcountry hunting, definitely try to get that elk out as fast as possible. You know, you don't want it to be to be sitting in camp, especially if, you know, you're covered in blood, you want to, you want to get out, you want to get your camo wash, even if there's other hunters in camp, you know, you want to take that day, get out of the country, get your clothes washed, get that elk out of there. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe even move camp because if, you know, if you hang, if you hang your elk up a hundred yards, it's sitting there dripping blood all day, you know, a couple days, maybe if you, if that's what you have to do. And uh, that's still going to draw attention. You know, the, that's just closer to smells to your smells that, you know, that they're going to be drawn to. So if you're just a backpack hunter or, uh, or going up with a couple buddies, um, definitely have like a couple spots planned on, on where to go. You know, you don't have to move out of the country. I would definitely just, uh, just think, think hard about like, think smart about where you put your game, you know, even if it's a quarter mile from camp, um, one of our camps in particular, it's in a super wooded area. Um, and, uh, you know, our, our game pool is a half a mile probably from, from camp. And that way we never have to worry about the, you know, the, the food we cook or maybe the, the trail mix that one of our clients are keeping in their tent or, you know, somebody dumps their coffee, their coffee grounds into the grass in camp. Hell, toothpaste even. Toothpaste, yep, toothpaste, like any anything with the scent, those bears will be drawn to it. So the farther away you can keep that that meat smell away from your camp, the better. Well, let's talk about some elk tactics from a guide's perspective because, um, you know, not everyone's going to hire a guide and there's nothing wrong with hiring a guide. And I tell people, man, if you're brand new to the elk hunting learning curve, get yourself a good outfit or if you can afford it, if it's in your budget, and go learn some best practices right out the gates. Um, if, if you can't afford it or whatever – listen to this podcast and listen to these tips we're about to drop. So you guide September through October. So you got your type nine or the guys that buy the general tag and get the archery stamp. Um, Cause 70 is a general. So, right. Yeah. 70 is a general. So you guys, um, 
you're not dealing with just limited entry area, limited quota Wyoming. You're you're dealing with general public as well. And and last I checked, a lot of people in Wyoming, a lot of residents got stock. So like going deep isn't going to get you away from hunting pressure, man. Well, Wyoming locals are badass. And I'm sure I have some Wyoming guys listening and they appreciate the props, but it's true. I've hunted Wyoming generals and man, on the weekends, these guys show up with their Wyoming plates. They got their horse trailer and they're gone. They're going deep. So there's kind of that sweet spot, that middle ground in general units where you're not too deep where you're going to run into the horse guys and you're not going to run into the guys who parked at the trailhead and going to go a mile or two. You, and that's kind of where I find the best elk hunting, to be honest with you. But let's talk about tactics for the archery clientele. First off, you're probably, most of your guys aren't out west kind of guys. You're probably getting a, a mix of east and, and midwest. How are they doing with the altitude? Yeah, so so the altitude actually, um, we haven't had like too many issues. You know, they'll, they'll come in and we usually ask them to be there, you know, a day or two before to kind of climatize the altitude. Um, a lot of, a lot of the guys, you know, this year, uh, you know, we had Jeff Dellenbach and, and Dak and, uh, a few, a few of those guys that, uh, you know, future, uh, uh, NFL players from before retired NFL players. So they, they, you know, they had all their, their, uh, oxygen boost stuff that really helped them a lot. Um, they definitely took, they were taking supplements. Uh, one guy, I think he was taking like, uh, uh, cinnamon pills or something. And he, he claimed it was helping, but definitely if you're going to be going to Wyoming to hunt, uh, make sure to plan for a couple extra days, you know, like while you're doing your scouting, don't, don't, uh, I mean, it's only, you know, Wyoming, if you're coming from, you know, say, say Pennsylvania, I don't know what the elevation is there, a couple thousand feet, maybe, um, Wyoming, especially like Moran, um, the base of the, uh, wilderness area, you're only at 6,500 feet. So I would say you wouldn't have to really worry about it a whole lot, but if you're going to get up into the upper country, if you're going to be taking horses back or going back with an outfitter, you know, uh, we actually go over a pass. We're on a pass for a few hours. It's, you know, 10,500 feet. And, uh, we definitely see some people impacted there. Um, be cautious of it because, uh, sneaks up on you really quick. You know, you might just think you're tired or drowsy and, and, uh, it's actually altitude sickness. It can get you in a lot of trouble really quick. So definitely be, definitely be wary of that and, you know, stay hydrated, take care of yourself. What kind of, what kind of shape do you think? Like if you had to look at all your clientele that you had this last year, um, what percentage is showing up just not in good enough elk shape? Oh, shoot. You know, honestly, probably 90%. Really? Yes. Yep. Even after I already told them. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty crazy deal to, you know, the being in shape is definitely a, a huge thing, especially in Wyoming. I mean, those mountains are no joke. Um, and for, uh, you know, you mentioned archery hunters and like kind of finding that middle ground, you know, during archery season, we don't touch the back country at all. We do, we do day trips, you know, cause you're right about, you know, a lot of the outfitters, they go way down, you know, deep in the, in the wilderness and, you know, we, I'll, I'll always turn guys closer to the highway. Um, not because, you know, we, we have camps back there, but because it's just, it's just as good. It's just as good, you know, a mile or mile or two from the road, you know, in that area. I mean, we've, we've killed elk, you know, 300 yards 
from the ranch just pretty much you know right by the horse pasture and uh definitely don't don't feel like you like the wilderness is is completely necessary um there's a lot of good country between between the highway and the wilderness that you should not pass up i I couldn't agree more um another thing to think about is if you hire a guide i know that um this is going to date me but i think in 2006 or 7 uh i drew wyoming it was the first year they had their start of their draw um and so I, I drew and I put in for 51. I usually don't say unit names on here, but guys, you can't hunt 51 unless you got a resident guide or, or an actual guide guide. So I remember I got the tag and, and my dad and I were clueless, man. Like we were like getting ready to go. Um, I literally, actually I killed a bull in New Mexico and I was driving to Wyoming and somebody in New Mexico told me, Oh, you need a guide to go into that wilderness, you know? And I had to like, I had to go get the fishing game regs from and talk to fishing game in Wyoming headquarters. I think it's in Casper or something. And, uh, they're like, yeah. So I like literally had to get a hold of a guide last minute just to hunt there. And I ended up making a deal with a guy like where it was only going to be a five day hunt. That's all I could afford. I mean, he had his, I mean, he's got his expenses. And so my dad and I pitched in and we hired a guide two days before we before we arrived and um bro they loaded us up and it was 22 mile horseback ride and i had never ridden that far on a horse ever and it damn near killed my knees and hips and i was young back then and that was like 14 years ago bro and i just remember being like dang uh, you gotta you know when you get an outfitter you gotta you just gotta do what they say you gotta listen this is what they do for a living this guy was super legit. We were in the heart of bear country. 51 is like right up against Yellowstone, right up against Montana. I mean, it's, uh, we saw lots of grizzlies on that hunt. We also saw sheep, bighorn rams and, um, giant bulls. And, um, it was a cool experience, but that's one of my biggest takeaways was like vet your outfitter, understand what, like how long are you going to be on a horse and feel free to speak up and say, hey, I got like five miles in me and then I got to take a break. Like we got to I don't care if it takes us three extra hours. Let me get off, walk around. I'll be worth a shit the next day if I get my breaks in. Guys like you, you don't even think of that, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, working on the ranch and stuff, we, we ride horses every day and that's, you know, but we, you know, as guides, you know, it's most of us, most guys that guide in the backcountry, you know, like horse riding and stuff, that's that's what we do. And we, we really respect like people that don't you know, do that all the time. We understand that you guys can't, you know, just jump on a horse and go 26 miles. Oh yeah. It's oh. definitely rough. like, you know, I haven't, I haven't worked out there in, in a couple of years, you know, especially when I was living in Alaska, you know, I'd come down uh, September 15th. I was on a horse the, the 16th going packing in camp. And yeah, I definitely, definitely felt it then. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, if you guys are going to do a horse, you know, horseback um, trip, definitely. If uh, if you guys are going as you know a group, an independent group with a guide, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there that would be more than happy to, you know, get you on a horse, probably around your hometown, and and uh, get some reps in on horses, get some time in, and uh, if not, if that's not available to you then, uh, definitely just, just don't be, don't be, uh, 
you know, don't, don't feel like it's a hassle to, you know, for the guy to get you on and off the horse along the trip. It's definitely better to, to stay healthy and stay, stay unsore for your hunt. That's, you know, that probably cost you a few thousand dollars. Um, it's better to just do, you know, do what your body's telling you. If you need to take a break, take a break. Yeah. Now, so once you get these clients up there, 26 miles deep in, in this particular camp, um, you got to archery guys, man. Like, are you packing a bugle tube? Are these elk fairly unmolested? Is it more like, I don't want to bump these elk too bad because I got another set of hunters coming in the next week. Let's do like really good ambush pinch points. Like what's been the most proven tactic for you guiding guys that aren't basically out of shape 90% of the time and they're in a brand new world and they're basically relying on you to get them that shot opportunity. Yeah. So for archery hunters, you know, it's pretty early uh, down there. Uh, so a lot of what we do, especially for these guys that are not into shape, we do a lot of spot and stock. We'll, we'll watch them in the morning. Um, generally we know where they're at. We know where they're going to bed and it's a, it's mostly a burn area. You know, you have some ravines and draws with, with, uh, you know, good, healthy pine trees and stuff. But for the most part, it, it's pretty well open. So we'll just watch them bed and then we'll ride the horses in as close as we can. Usually it's a few hundred yards and then uh, we'll just unload and get the hunters ready and come up with a game plan and uh, and uh, walk in on them. Usually we don't call. Um, if we want them to stand up or something, I might, you know, I might uh, throw out a cow call or calf call. But uh, for the most part, we stay pretty silent for during archery. I love it. Uh, I'm in the same boat. I think, you know, you guys are doing what I would consider bubble hunting. Um, obviously, the terrain has the dictate if it's, you know, relying on visual, which is my favorite. So it's got to be open enough country where you can put them to bed. And if you don't have horses, guys, I'm here to tell you, sometimes it's going to take you all day to get into position. Um, but... Elk seem to get up and move the last 45 minutes of daylight. Uh, you might have a hot cow squirt and things could get rowdy. But the the mantra that Jared Lyle always says, and I love it, is I want to get as close to the elk as long as I can and good things happen. And that's bubble hunting, man. And, um, you know, a lot of times a bull will stand up, go try to like scent check every cow in the herd and they're all spread out. He may do some displaying some midday bugles. He may even go leave the herd and get water or wallow. And if you're in a good position where you can observe and take advantage and know when to strike, I would say majority of people just don't know when to strike. So what's some good indicators of like you're in the bubble and now it's time to be aggressive? Yeah. So normally, normally we're watching, you know, you can definitely tell when the elk are starting to get anxious, especially when you start getting right up on them. Um, a lot of times, like up in that area, they bed down and in places, you know, a lot of it's like super steep, you know, rocky country. And, you know, they might find a flat spot somewhere up there and uh, a lot of it. So it's kind of a Wyoming is different. It's, it's kind of the, the terrain is, I mean, in, in unit 70 where we hunt, it's, it's kind of like there's plateaus all over the place. So you'll see you'll just see what looks like a herd of elk walking up the mountain. And then all of a sudden they're just gone. Well, it's because there's a plateau there. You know, if they hit that plateau, the, the chances of them bedding down are pretty high. Um, you know, especially if it's in the morning, a lot of times in the morning, they, uh, 
they'll come out and feed on the side hills. And then when they start working their way up, you just kind of, kind of just have to watch them and keep your eye on them as much as you can. And then once you get on them, once you get on them, you can tell when they start getting antsy, like I said, and, and, uh, when they start to get antsy, you just, you know, um, it's one of those times to be quiet. You know, a lot of times elk hunting is just balls to the walls. Um, you can make noise, break branches, rake trees. Uh, but during archery season, when they're being quiet, you just definitely watch their temperament, see what they're doing. And when they start to get antsy, you go in and, and, uh, there's, there's hardly any pressure up there. Normally their feeding habits are the same. And so we will set up on the trail that they went in on because the majority of the time on those plateaus there, you know, it's the easiest way down and, and, you know, elk will, elk will t- always take that easier out. So we'll just sit up there and, uh, you know, the majority of the time we, we at least get presented a shot. It obviously doesn't, it's hunting. It doesn't uh, always pan out the way we plan, but, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely what we look for is a lot of the body behavior and, and uh, growing up with horses, you know, it's kind of weird to compare elk to horses, but they're the same in a lot of ways with their temperament. And so it's really easy for, for us guides and a lot of people in Wyoming to, to read, to read that behavior. I really like what you said there about setting up off the trail that they utilize to get into that unique bedding feature. I, uh, I personally, like when I'm hunting, I open country elk specifically in the mountains. I may be glassing an entire herd a mountain away and I'm watching the whole time through a spotting scope or binos, which route they take, which trail and elk will do interesting things, man. They may zig a little bit, hit a little patch of grass that's on the edge of timber. Cause it's for whatever reason they want to eat that. And then they'll angle and side hill up over and then they'll go through a couple undeniable pinch points and I'll watch them go in and then it may take, I usually will, come down the mountain I'm on, either move my truck, dirt bike, four-wheeler, or walk, maybe get lunch, and then I will spend the day trying to get up over to where they went in and get a pulse on what the wind's doing over there and set up for maybe 15, 20 minutes is all I'm going to get, an opportunity. And then if it doesn't pan out like you said, which it usually doesn't, it's like the walk of shame all the way back down. And that's two mountains, two big ass mountains in one day. And you're not necessarily getting a lot of sleep. But to me, that's probably my ultimate favorite way to hunt elk is to say nothing, do nothing and ambush them. You get better shots too. Like when an elk's not looking at you and you made it, you didn't make a sound and they're not on full alert and they're just maybe feeding or being social. uh, It makes for a great time to send an arrow. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And then watching them come in and, you know, make their moves, you learn a lot that way too, rather than, you know, just beagling and chasing them down. I feel like you learn a lot about elk by, by playing that game, you know, just waiting and doing the spot and stock type thing. Definitely. uh, I feel like that's probably one of the faster ways to learn elk behavior. I agree. And that's the name of the game is to know what they're going to do before they do it. And that's what I found, Uh, man. It's been really fun talking to you. Like, Tyler, you're not on social media, right? Uh, not very often. I do have an Instagram. I post stuff. What is it? What is it? I'm following you. I'm going to put it in my phone right now. It's uh, Tyler underscore Barnard four. Tyler underscore. How do you spell your last name? B-A-R. 
N A R D. And then four. Yep. Follow back. You got 600 followers now, bud. Yeah, that's cool. Guys, give him a follow. Man, I appreciate you coming on here. I did not know about the Grizzly stuff, and that was fascinating. Very fascinating. And I hope you don't run into that problem again. Uh, But you know what I know. Until we start hunting those things, more to come, unfortunately. So everyone, pack your bear spray and your gun spray. Glock 20, man. I'm in the market. I got a Glock 23 for black bear country, wolf country. I'm going to get me a Glock 20. I do have a 44 mag. It's an ultralight from Smith & Wesson. Uh, but it holds six rounds, and I don't, I'm not nearly as accurate. And I like the idea of having more than ten rounds in a magazine. Um, how many shots did you get off? Uh, I shot nine times, hit the bear at least five, and uh, you know your 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 caliber. And you know I mentioned your ammunition is important, <laughs> but it's useless if you don't train. That was that was something that. You know, my, the, the kid I was with, he, he would talk about training all the time. You know, there's a lot of guys that, you know, like even with bows, I'm sure you, uh, experience a lot. They're like, oh yeah, I shoot bows all the time every day, you know, I'm, and, uh, but a lot of it, I feel like is just talk, but, uh, don't just talk about it, get out and do it. Because I'll tell you what, if this, if this kid that I was with wasn't, uh, wasn't as trained up like he, like he should have been or as he was, I guess he, uh, you know, he, he probably would have been, probably would have been in a casket right now. So, so if you're going to buy a handgun, definitely, definitely train with it. Um, shoot a lot, put yourself in like quick draw scenarios and, uh, definitely, definitely be, definitely be on your toes, you know, prepare, prepare for the worst. Like don't plan for the worst, but you got to be prepared for it. Yeah. You're never going to rise to anything. You're going to fall back to your highest level of training. I learned that in firefighting and I couldn't agree more. Same applicable here, man. I appreciate your time. I do think I want to have you come back on down the road, maybe right before elk season, maybe get some last minute elk tactics. And I hope you get to hunt for yourself this year, bro. Yeah. So this year I'm actually not going to be guiding. I don't think I'm going to be going to be hunting for myself. Uh, last year was the first year back elk hunting in, you know, five years and, uh, kind of got me pumped up for, for, uh, you know, getting back on the grind for myself. So yeah, definitely. If, uh, if you ever want to talk again, just let me know you. Cool guys. Give him a follow Tyler underscore Barnard B A R N A R D four on Instagram. And, uh, remember handguns, fitness, alcohols, archery separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, well, there you have it. Tyler, thanks for coming on. That was really interesting stuff. Man, grizzly bear country. I like gun spray and bear spray. In fact, a Glock 20 makes a lot of sense for me with a high-capacity magazine. So make sure you're planning and preparing. I know a lot of G-Bear country is great hunting because a lot of people are just nervous to walk in the dark when there's G-Bears. Uh, but, man... I'm telling you, there's a lot of great elk hunting opportunity out there. Just be safe, be smart, have a plan. I want to give a couple of shout-outs, and then we'll get you on your way. Number one, Elk Shape Camp Texas, last camp of the year. That's one week out at the time of this recording. I'm in Texas chasing axes and turkeys. Should be uh, good to get some spring reps. I hope you're uh, thinking about maybe doing some spring turkey or bear 
That way you're uh, tuning your broadheads earlier in the year, making sure. And I always tune a bow, then I tune arrows. I don't do it the other way around. Uh, BlackOvis.com discount code ElkShape takes 10% off any purchase. And uh, the very few uh, exclusions apply, so make sure to check out that. Baku e-bikes, if you are doing some spring bear turkey shuffling, maybe you want a uh, non-motorized, quiet way to go. Baku e-bikes can go from class one, two, or three. And uh, you have a discount code, ElkShape, takes $300 off. Wilderness Athlete discount code is ElkShape30, takes 30% off your first purchase, so load up. Vortex Wear, if you're into clothing, workout gear, scouting, even some of their SKUs are good for spring bear and spring turkey. Discount code is ElkShape, takes 20% off Vortex Wear. If you're interested in getting elite membership from Onyx, which also is, gives you all 50 states, enhances your e-scouting from a desktop, or you can go into three, 3D mode, which is pretty critical. Transfer uh, KLM files from Google Earth back and forth, as well as get access to top rut draw odds, which are the best in the biz. Get you access to Hunt and Full digital publication, as well as their draw odds and mapping. Also going to get you a hunt reminder, the free app to your phone so you don't miss a draw deadline. Use the discount code Shape Takes 20% off your elite membership. NUMA Outdoors, NUMA Clothing. That's where we're doing the Elk Shape Campus in Texas, right there at NUMA HQ. Discount code Shape 20 takes 20% off your first purchase. Might want to get yourself some base layers, pursuit, pant, renegade, long sleeve, short sleeve, alpha vertex vest or jacket, palisade, puffy, Discount code Elkshape 20, 20% off. Black Rifle Coffee Company gets some delicious coffee made by veterans, guys that are pro to, you know, pro hunting and 2A advocates. And I think it's the best coffee in the business. Discount code is Elkshape. Takes 15% off. Join the coffee club. Get your stickers and your coffee delivered to your doorstep at the first of every month. It's kind of a nice little surprise. Always looking forward to my box because I love coffee and I love trying different flavors and my favorite, my top three is definitely Flying Elk, Silencer Smooth, and Just Black. But uh, I'd love to know yours, so try them all. Buck Knives USA, Post Falls, Idaho. These guys are making awesome knives since 1902. They've made me a knife for all my Elk Shape camps to give to Spirit Elk Shape Camp Award. I went over there and helped design it. Picked out the blade. It's a skinner. Picked out the handle. It's elk antlers from Montana. And uh, it's engraved. And I give one out at every camp for the individual who showcases the most humility and the most hunger to get better. And I love giving that out. And I love using buck knives. And I like a fixed knife. And I like to know that it's made in the USA and that it's backed by a forever warranty. Buck Knives, man. Check them out. Crispy USA. We got some new and improved things coming out in 2022. Can't wait to share more about that. Last but not least, Matthews Kufaru Spy Point. Thanks for all your support of our brand. We got discount codes in the show notes. Be sure to check them out. Save some loot. Get your gear ahead of time so that you get your gear and that you can vet it or test it in the field. And get ready, boys and girls, because once spring gets here, we're on the downhill slide and separation is in the preparation We'll catch you on the next one.